Acts chapter number 2, 41 to 47. You guys have new uh, uh, sheets by now. Uh, it's been passed around. Uh, a real purpose. So we had a real beginning. We had a real faith. And now we have a real purpose. So we're talking about the real church. All right? It had a beginning. It had faith. And now it has purpose. All right? So Acts chapter number 2, verse number 41. Now this segment of the church, the Lord Jesus is already went into heaven. He's already ascended. And now this is left to the disciples. And personally, I believe, and I believe our pastor teaches here, that Jesus Christ is the one that founded the church. So some believe John the Baptist. Uh, some believe the church started at Pentecost, which is right here, Acts chapter number 2. I believe Jesus Christ founded the church. We already talked about that on the real beginning here on our lesson. So, uh, <clears throat> Acts chapter number 2, verse number 41 to 47. Uh, let's read. Uh, you want to read... Uh, I'll read the first verse, you'll read the second verse, I'll read the third verse, you guys together read the fourth verse. When we get to 47, we'll read it all together, okay? So let's do that this morning, kind of get us uh, moving, all right? On the first verse, I'll read, and then you guys uh, read 42, and then we'll read 47 at the end, okay? Do everybody understand that? All right, I'm going to read verse 41. Barely? All right. So, the teacher will read the first verse. Thou, the audience, the wonderful audience that you are, together, you will read verse 42. Then I will read verse 43. Then you will read verse 44. Then I will read verse 45. Then you will read verse 46. And then together, we will read verse 47. All right, everybody, let's stand up again. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not doing that. All right, let me read for you here. Then they that gladly, that, that is nice to see people laughing, right? Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And sold their possession and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Praising God favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for everyone that's made it out this morning. I know uh, there are people that are feeling ill. Lord, I pray for uh, Miss uh, O'Mara. Lord, I pray that you'd heal her body. And Lord, we pray for others, Lord, that are uh, uh, had surgery this week. I think of Jay Brumball. We think of Miss Carol, too, Bloom, as she's still battling uh, stage 4 cancer, Lord, and many others, Lord, that I've forgotten. Thank you for Brother Keith Nelligan, Lord. He's here with us. been praying for him all week. Lord, I pray as he continues to take the antibiotic, I pray that you'll take that uh, infection away. And Lord, if there's anybody that I'm missing, Lord, forgive me, but you know them. 
And we want to lift anybody that's in need like that to you this morning. Lord, I pray for our pastor and his wife as they are being honored. And he's being a special speaker right now at the church plant we planted a long time ago, 14 years ago, in Hilltop Baptist Church. I pray that you'd guide him. I pray that he'll feel blessed. Lord, thank you uh, for what he did long ago. And there's people there now that are rejoicing that there's a church in that area. Lord, I pray that Pastor and Mrs. Cole feel the honor that they deserve. And Lord, thank you for them being so humble about it. But Lord, I pray that they would get that. Lord, help that church to bless them today. And we'll miss them here. We'll miss them definitely here. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we continue our Sunday school. Thank you that you did give us a church, a real church that we can be a part of. Uh, Faith Bible Baptist Church, Lord, is dear to our hearts. And thank you for giving us a place that we can serve you, a platform that we can minister to each other and to the outside world. See soul saved. Lord, thank you. I'm just elated at the... At the, at the a new pledge that we have as a church, Lord, over 300,000, almost 350,000. That's going to go out, out into the world, Lord, to reach souls, possibly able to support the missionaries that came in even more. Lord, I pray, guide us, give us wisdom as we talk about it this morning in the Sunday morning service and even tonight, how to be judgmental, not the wrong way, but the discerner. Lord, I pray, help us this morning to make good, uh, good logical, biblical uh, choices and help us how to do that. Give us wisdom. Bless us now as we look at the purpose of this church you gave us. I pray that we will be humble. If we need to be challenged, I pray that we can be challenged. If we need to be convicted, I pray that we would be convicted. Lord, help all the teachers today. Thank you for every one of them. Thank you for our classes that every one of them today has a student in them. And Lord, we just praise you for that. I pray that you continue to grow our Sunday school. Give us a favor with men around us, even in this town, Eden that we could bring people. Lord, I pray for the bus that's that's making its rounds and picking up people at certain places, Lord, in Angola and uh, Derby area. Lord, I pray that you would uh, uh, ignite somebody's heart, Lord, to be a uh, leader of that ministry. And Lord, we're asking, thank you for those that are working now even to do that. I know they're already busy with a bunch of things. Lord, I pray that you uh, bless them too as they're trying. Lord, bless us. As a church, we're asking, we're anticipating great things. Lord, we, we have a great God. You are a great God. And Lord, we, we want to do what you want us to do. Lead us, please, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. People view the church with different ideas as to its purpose. Some view the church simply as a place to meet friends. Some as a place to do business. Some as a place to help with community needs, and some as a place to provide counsel for their families. Well, Pastor, all of those are happening in the church. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with what's happening in the church as such as this, because we're human beings, and that's what happens. But, like, again, we don't want to uh, uh, go away from what the Bible tells us the purpose of the church is. And we find it in the Bible because, again, the beginning of the church is by Jesus Christ. And the Word of God is the physical form that we have of Jesus today. All right? He's not here bodily with us. His Spirit is in us, the Holy Ghost, if we're saved. Then He gives us a literal Word that we can look at, we can handle with our hands. And He is that living Word. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit only can speak of the things that was taught by Jesus Christ to bring us to uh, understanding in a deeper way 
of some of the truths that we might have a knowledge of. You know, as little children, they understand what food is. Uh, Mariah right now understands what food is. But she doesn't have a preference. You notice when they're little like this, they don't have a preference. They shove everything in their mouth. She found her birthday cake. There were still some left of it. And you know how Walmart has it where there's a plastic dome on the top and it's a plastic plate on the bottom and the cake's in there and you take the plastic dome out and sometimes there's icing on it. Well, I threw it in the trash can and the trash can is accessible to this little monster. And we're busy this morning and trying to get, get it out. Well, she grabbed that dome top and she's in her beautiful dress and she shoved her face inside like that. That was not the most beautiful picture to catch. As you notice, her mother put her on a pumpkin. And uh, I don't know what was going on outside. But anyways, uh, that's a lady thing. Taking a picture of putting your kid by a pumpkin. And I don't know. I don't know what that is about. But she was doing that. And I'm laughing. I'm like, Phew. man, there's better things to eat, uh, babe, than, than going to the trash can and doing that. There was very little icing there, and she was definitely, I don't know how she did that, so she got it in there. But, and then later on that morning, I found that there's some shavings of uh, pencils, because we do homeschool in the house, and they're shaving their pencils, and she's got something in her mouth. What is that? Get that out. And it was one of those pencil shavings. So as a little kid, they have no idea what food is. They just put everything in their mouth, and if it happens to be good, well, they're enjoying it. If they don't understand it, they just they keep it in their mouth. But as you grow, though, you develop palates, and you develop uh, a taste for certain things. Like a lot of you probably would not eat balut. All right, balut is a duck egg that they incubate uh, all the way till 16 days, 18 days, 20 days, 22 days. And if you really want to, the 24 days. Just wait another day. I'll come out of there. And then they'll do have a baby deep-fried duck. I've never tasted those. And what they do is as soon as it hatched, that very moment it hatched, they dip the live duck in a butter, in a, a batter, uh, to cover it up. And so it's going like this. Ah, it's not breathing. And then they put it on hot oil. And it'll be so good if you really like that. So I don't know who developed that. All the way from 16, the duck egg is in danger. 18 days. <laughs> and the chick gets growing and bigger, you know. But you have to acquire a taste. And I hated it. In fact, when we went to the mission trip in 1998, they had a video of me almost throwing up on the table there because I was going to eat the 16-day-old chick. Now I've lived there for 10 years. And they say, you're a Filipino. There is no stinking way the Philippine blood is in you and you cannot eat this. All these guys, you know, they do the same thing they do here. They are you, well, you're not a Filipino, you're a white, you're a white American. No. I got some Pinoy blood in me. And if I'm going to do, I speak your language, I understand your culture, I'm going to eat this stupid thing. So I did. You know what? I acquired a taste. I like the 18-day-old chick. So I've been getting those. And now if I, if I, if I eat them, I, I love them. But it's an acquired taste. And so, as, as you grow, as you grow, you, you develop some of those uh, things in life, and you, you, you get to, uh, you get to uh, 
in, in some ways you get settled in what you feel and taste like. And so uh, we we're talking about the scripture here. So when you're young in the church, you're young in the church, you're just, you're, you're just doing whatever and whatever it feels like the church is because there's some human, uh, human influence in there because we're human. So we bring that in here. Okay, it's a place to find good friends, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a place that we could do some business, all right? Some people are, uh, are selling different things just to, to help them in, 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 their, uh, in their school sometimes. I know I'm going to get cookies here pretty soon. And uh, other things like that. And it's also a place that sometimes uh, we help the community, all right? We find a need and we, we help meet the need of the community. Some churches do that. And it's also a place that we find counsel as we raise our families. But then we need to go back to the very specific reason why the church is here. All right? And like the kid, as he's young, uh, just eating whatever, you develop an acquired taste on what is really important. So when you're an adult, uh, we just don't eat any kind of steak. Right? It has to be a certain kind. All right? We're just not going to put the a piece of cow in our mouth. It has to be a certain cut, a certain part of a cow, a certain cow. All right? And uh, so that's how, it, that's how it developed. So as we develop that, I'm hoping these three points we're going we're gonna to have here, we make these the main reason why we go to church. All right? We develop a, a palate for these things. I understand we have friends. I, have, I made friends in the church. I've done the few things that it, it talks about a church might be here. I've enjoyed some of those aspects of being in a church. But let us not exchange that for what the church really is, according to the scripture. Make those the highlight of the church. All right? Make those, if you were a man here and you love, or a woman that love a good steak, all right? That is like, I'm going to sit down. I'm not even going to eat the potatoes. I'm not even going to eat that weird-looking green bean and uh, carrots on the side. All right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to make sure my palate is clean of any other taste. And so as I slice this raw meat wagyu, it'll just melt in my mouth. And there's no disturbance of the mashed potato. It might be a good mashed potato, but it's not going to mess it up. All right? And so that's what we want with these real purpose. All right? But what is the biblical purpose of the church? Why did Christ establish the church in the first place? And what does he expect of us to do through it? All right? As we observe the first church in Jerusalem, we see a threefold purpose that should be carried out by every local church. And we're going to go right on the first point, Roman numeral one. Roman numeral one, the letter I with a dot. Loving God. Loving God. L-O-V-I-N-G. Loving God is one of the purpose that we need to remember in our mind, okay? Uh, we exist to love God, and we gather together to express our love to God. In both the Old and New Testament, the Lord commands us to love God above all else, all right? And that is, we see in Deuteronomy, if you want to turn to the book of Deuteronomy, it's there, for convenience sake, you can keep it there, but if you want to turn, Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and verse number 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. That's all of your being. And then Mark refers to that verse. 
All right, Mark 12 and verse 30 does. The Old Testament tells us to do this. Now the New Testament is uh, echoing it and saying the same thing. In verse 30 of Mark 12, it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God uh, with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Growing in a heart relationship with God is the foundation of our walk with God. People may go through the motions of serving God for a variety of motives, but only true love for God will sustain us for lifelong growth in our relationship with him. I was counseling uh, several people about uh, the relationship as husband and wife. And if you're a human being, you will struggle at times with relationship. There might be times that your close friends, you would be a conflict, and that conflict is hard to resolve, and you need some other counsel to help you. I've done that several times with friends that we come to a crossroad and there is a disagreement because we're human beings. We prefer different things sometimes. Sometimes it's preference. And sometimes we have personal beliefs of the scripture that might differ from somebody else. And so uh, oftentimes we'll have a conflict. Don't run away from conflict. Conflict is not bad in itself. In fact, conflict just shows you You're not that important. Or not everybody thinks like you. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It shows you that there's more to life than what you think. It's a humbling moment of life. Every time I have a conflict with somebody else, it reminds me, Chris, you don't have it all figured out. You're not all there. There might be some things you do not know. Thus, this person is thinking different than you're thinking. And now they're expressing it to you. And actually, when, when a person is open to give you conflict or to give you something that they disagree about, it should be something that you should welcome in. Because you're going to acquire knowledge and you're going to find understanding. And then hopefully by wisdom, you can execute how to react to it or how to act to it. All right? In a marriage, somebody advised me in a weird way, find every conflict now before you get married. Find every possible conflict now before you get married. So with that in mind, we went into a road of serious talks. If we have children, how are we going to discipline our children? Oh my, I didn't realize she had a different view than I did. We asked questions as, where should we live? What church should we be a part of? And it goes on and on and on. Uh, What kind of movies are we going to watch together? What is your view on uh, spending money, saving money, handling budget? All of those we talked about because it provided for us conflict. Not that we were looking for conflict, but it opened up some things that we would never even think about. And when we did that, before we get into this very, 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 uh, this, uh, this uh, commitment to each other, that none of those things will, will, will hopefully uh, break because it's a, it's a covenant between God and the two of us. Before we go into that, we were very aware of the differences we have in opinions on different things. And it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't a bad thing. And there are some things that my wife has come to my side of things. And there are some things that I have come to her side of things. And now it becomes, this is what we believe as a family. And it made us stronger. So don't 
be necessarily afraid of conflict, but learn how to resolve conflicts. All right? In a relationship, you will have conflict. Do you not have a conflict with God at times? You're going to hear preaching this Sunday morning. You're even hearing teaching now, and you're going to, hmm. I don't know if I believe that. That's a conflict. Okay? And later, as you listen to the preaching, the preacher is going to say some things according to the word of God. And you have to look at God and say, is that really what you, what you want me to do, God? And you're going to have that because I don't, I don't see it like that. Or in the relationship, it needs you to figure out how to deal with conflicts. So loving God uh, involves that relationship. It must grow. People may go through the motion of serving God for a variety of motives, but only through love for God will sustain us for lifelong growth in our relationship with Him. And what happens is when, when people have conflicts in their life and they realize that they have to share and that they have to sacrifice and then they have to eat crow and that they have to be humble, they say, I don't want that. I want to get away from that. I want to get away from that person. I don't want to work with that person. I don't want to deal with that person. That's not scriptural either. That's not scriptural either. Find in scripture where God says, stay away from the person you don't like. If you give me that scripture. Now, there's a person you stay away from, they're hurting you. I understand that. All right? But the Bible is always for reconciliation. It's always for reconciling broken relationship. You know why we have a hard time with each other? It's simple, because we're sinners. Why does he not understand me? Because you is a sinner, and that person is a sinner. You are a sinner. Because of that, we have this problem. And you know what? We have a problem with God, not because he's a sinner, but because we're a sinner. And so we have a hard time when he says, do this, and we have to reconcile in our mind, huh, how am I going to do that, God? And so the relationship is, is vital that we resolve that in our mind. Look at letter A under your sub-point. I think you have that, right? Commencement of at salvation. What lesson is that? Oh, boy. All right. That must be my fault. I have it all printed out, and it looked like it was on the folder of Lesson 3, but it could have been Lesson 13. All right. Turn all those in. Don't write under them, and we'll turn them in later because we'll save them, okay? Did you guys writing on them already? You can have those. Don't turn them in. We'll make some new ones. Look at... Uh, Letter A, commences at salvation. Commences at salvation. All right? S-A, well, I'm not going to say anything because you don't have notes. All right? To truly worship God, you must first know him and have a personal relationship with him through salvation. Acts 2.41, you find it right here. We read earlier, Acts 4, Acts 2.41, you find it, right? In the book of Acts, chapter number 2 and verse number 41. And uh, it's that hour extra. I got all messed up. Then they that gladly receive his word. All right? Talking about salvation. That's, that's that. They that gladly receive his word. Acts 2.41. In Acts 2, uh, Peter stood and preached a simple message about Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. 
And scripture records that many who heard this truth believed on Christ that day. Salvation provides a tremendous security that can be found in no other relationship. You have no other savior. Only Jesus Christ can fulfill that need of every soul here. Salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. It doesn't come through the Baptist denomination. It doesn't come through any person in this church. It doesn't come in any other relationship you have. It's not going to come from the friends that you're close to. It comes only from Jesus Christ. He is salvation. He is eternal life, the Bible says. He is the Savior. So we find that in Jesus Christ. The relationship with God must start at salvation. All right? In the sense of you are now given that adoption in Romans 8. You are now become a part of the family of God. Because if not... You are born in your trespasses and sin. And in fact, John 8, 44, not literally, not physically, but in the form of a spiritual, uh, in the spiritual realm, you are of your father, the devil. John 8, 44 talks about, all right? But you need to be saved. And when you get saved, you are born into the family of God. If you have any question about that, you don't understand what being born again means. There's people here you can talk to, all right? You can come to me. You can come to several other people here. We'll figure out a way to talk to you what the scripture tells you what that means. John 1, 11 and 12 says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And that's the great promise of anyone of any uh, gender, of any ethnicity, of any age, of any uh, status of life, poor or rich, you can come to Jesus Christ, and if you receive him, and you receive his gift of himself, and the substitute that you, des- that you need for your sins payment, he will pay it for you, and he says, I will make you become the sons of God, if you believe on his name. When we are saved... We're not only forgiven of our sins, all right, but we are also placed into the family of God. We become a son or daughter of God, and the love that he lavishes on us through salvation is truly life-changing. So when we think of salvation, yes, one of them is forgiveness of sin. Just like if we look at each other, we don't become family, right? Uh, A person forgives another person. They just forgave that person for the sin that they committed against that person. But in Christianity, it's more than that forgiveness. It's Christ is saying, hey, I'll forgive you. You were once my enemy. You've hurt me. You've caused me harm. But I'll forgive you, and then I will restore what once we had. And that's what uh, salvation does. I'll make you related to me again. Because sin broke that, remember? Sin broke that in the garden. Sin broke that in the garden. There's a lineage, I don't remember where it is, talking about Adam. And when Adam, it says God. So, uh, so and so begot so and so. And when he got to Adam, the Bible says Adam's father is God. Okay? So, when he created him, not only was Adam a created being, but Adam also had a relationship with God as his son. All right? It's one of the New Testament, there's a lineage that, that, that brings it all the way to Adam. I'm, 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 if I'm mistaken, I, I, I know it talks about Matthew has a lineage being king. It could be in one of the other gospels. It just escapes my mind. 
Look at John 10, 27 to 28. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. John 10, 27 to 28. And verse 28 says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. People are struggling with their salvation and the assurance of their salvation. John chapter number 10 is a good passage of scripture to give to them to meditate and think about. Jonathan Edwards said, if you remember the great evangelist here, preacher, Jonathan Edwards said, true love begins with God and loves him for his own sake. All right? True love begins with God and loves him for his own sake. Self-love begins with self and loves God in the interest of self. Did that make sense to you guys? Let me read it one more time. True love begins with God. So you cannot love properly. And it's preached here a lot of times. Pastor has talked about it. You can't truly love until you are saved. Because God is love. First John. All right? First John 4, 7 and 8, I think. Uh, God is love. So you can't truly love as the scripture tells us love is. Defined to us in scripture. Unless you get saved. True love begins with God and loves him for his own sake. Self-love begins with self and loves God in the interest of self. So you can love either way. You can love like a human being that we're capable of. And a lot of times our love is with strings attached. It's reciprocated. That's why the Bible talks about even the Republican and the sinners, they give to their friends. Right? They give to their friends. If they, they are in need, they give to their friends. It's just a common thing. All right? But you, if you give to somebody that uh, doesn't deserve it, then that is more true love. All right? A lot of times, uh, ask yourself this question. Are you doing this for that person because you're seeking for a re- reciprocation? Or you're doing it no matter what they do? That is love. According to the Bible, seek it not her own. All right? I'm doing the service or I am acting this way and I'm reacting this way because I love you with no strings attached. There's nothing you have to do for me to do what I'm doing for you or to you. Right? In this way. But sometimes are we not, even as husband and wives, are we not uh, trouble sometimes you get things for her because down the road you're going to ask her a favor? We manipulate situations here, and we do uh, nice things, and sometimes if she's smart, she'll say, what do you want? And uh, ah, she caught me again, right? But true love will do it no matter if you need anything or not, right? And that's the hardest way to love because we are humans, and we want it to be fair. Well, I, I did all these. Okay, so what do you want? Well, she needs to do all these. Great, make her. I can't. I can't either. Right? (laughs) It's weird. If God can't make people to do things, what do you think a preacher is going to do? Right? I'm just going to say, God, you already know the situation. I'm going to help them just because I care. I'll spend the time listening to them, but they want me to make her do this for him, and he wants me. What are you going to do about that? Well, son, I'm trying to work on them already. Both of them don't want to do it. 
All right, God, I'm just going to leave it to you. Right? That's how it works. You're the only one that can control the actions that you're going to do. So in in a relationship, a lot of times what needs to happen is one's going to say, no matter what, I'm going to do the loving. No matter what, I'm going to do the sacrificing. No matter what, I'm going to be the one to resolve conflict. I need to be the one to follow after peace. I need to be the one to have my mouth closed because right now it's not going to help what I'm about to say. I'm going to be the one to do the hard thing. And then you feel like in your mind, you're still like, if I did this, man, that means she, man, I'm doing the Bible thing. Nope, 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 nope. There's still no, no, no control that you can have with this other person. This person then has to do what you did on their own accord and their own will. And they have to be the one to say, hey, man, they're really doing good. Man, I need to do good. Right? And that's hopefully the... The, solve, uh, the resolving of that. A lot of times I'm the quiet one. And, and <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to stop it. I'm going to stop it. The vanity situation has been resolved. If you're wondering, it's all done. Vanity is sitting right there in the dining room area. It's there. It's been resolved. It's blue. It's there. It's already done. And I'm happy about it. We are prone to want to love God so he'll do something for us. Are we guilty of that? We are prone to want to love God so he'll do something for us. But the truth is that through salvation, he has guaranteed us that he loves us and will care for us. We can rest secure in his love. You know when God loved you? What did you do? Nothing. Think about that for a moment. We're a goal-driven society, and we like performing well because in performance, as a goal-driven society, we get the applaud. That's how we are. That's Americans. There's a need. We're going to meet that need. And we're going to be shy about, like, "Mm, I didn't do nothing about it, but we want to hint that we did. And then we're not going to be upset if somebody says, thank you for doing that. We're not going to be upset most of the time because that's in our blood. We work hard. We do things right. We organize. We plan. I love all those things. Because it's efficient. We get things done. Look at our highway. I would drive in our highway more than any other highways in the world. There might be some that are close to our good highways. So before you complain when you go on that road, I'll take you to the Philippines. In fact, let's go to PNG. Brother Mike, you're going to miss this road. You're going to come back here and probably lay on the road. Say, what a beautiful highway. Look at these yellow lines. Look at this double yellow line. Look at this staggered line. I know when I can pass. I know when I can't pass. Whoa, I can't go that side of the... Them lines are powerful, right? They make us stay on the road. Watch them over there. They have no lines on their roads. They go off on the river over here. They go up this way. It's just... I love... Some of the things that God has given us as an American. But a lot of times we fail because we are for moments driven. And love is not a performance. Love is not a You have to perform it. You have to do it. Don't get mistaken in the word. But it's not a performance. It is a choice. And when you choose to do it, whether you get accolades for it or not, you have been already in your heart 
fulfilled because you executed love. By just you loving, that's the fulfillment of it. You understand what I mean? If I did something because I love somebody, I don't need that person to thank me necessarily. I don't, I don't even need for them to be acknowledging it over the top. But I am rejoicing in the fact that I was able to love that way. Okay? That's the idea of love. It's not necessarily performance. It's a choice that we make. And that causes us to do some action. And so, a lot of times, uh, we, we don't do it uh, as the scripture tells us. All right, and, and going back again in Romans uh, 5 and verse 8, it's not in our notes. Well, you don't have the notes anyways. Uh, but God commended his love toward us. And while we were good people and righteous people, and while we were uh, doing the right things, no, while we were at our worst, while we were sinners. Guys, you don't have to worry about God loving you. You fall today in the greatest of falls. God will love you. God will love you. The problem is that you, your usability is what's the problem. All right? If you fall, he cannot use you because you are hurting. He needs to help you because hurting people hurt other people. And so he wants to establish you. He wants to get you back on your feet so that he can use you in a later time. So when you fall, it's not that he doesn't love you. It's that his restoration of that relationship has to take place first. All right, somebody that had open heart surgery is not going to mow the yard today. They need to sit there and rest. And then later down the road, the usability will come back. Depends on the fall, because the damage of that heart, he might not be able to climb a ladder again. But maybe he can trim some bushes. All right, we don't know. But the love doesn't go away. It's there. Okay, just like the prodigal son when he came, there were some damages that was done, but the love never changed because the love was not dependent on that person and what he did. The love was based on the person loving. I love you. No matter what you do to me, no matter if you love me back, no matter if you are nice to me or kind to me, I just love you, and I'm choosing to do that. Remember that, Miss Mary, I love you. All right, we're out of time. We'll continue next time. You don't have your notes anyway, so don't be complaining, right? Don't know if we got done. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this great people, Lord. This is our church. Thank you for everyone that's here. Lord, I, most, I know the most of them. I'd like to know them more at this time progress. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's here. Thank you for their heart and love for you. A lot, a lot of them are doing work, I know, because they love you. It's, it's very evident in their life. They're not looking for accolades. They're not looking for praise of men. They just simply love you because you love them. And Lord, we're doing things, Lord, because of that. Bless everyone that's here. Help us in the next service. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.